If today's your first time with us, or maybe the first time in a while, we began a series last week entitled Amplify, and if you were not here for that, I do want to encourage you to please listen or watch that message online, but since I can't wait for you to watch last week's message right now, let me try to sum up what we talked about last week in two minutes or less. I will do it, I promise you. Here we go. <laughs> first, we talked about this idea that God's plan to see people's lives blessed and transformed by the power of the gospel is through a people who have been blessed and transformed by God. We looked at the story of Abraham as a model for living this kind of life. And we learned that Abraham, like Abraham, it requires big faith to leave the comforts of where you are to move into the uncertainty that God was asking you to go. Now, uncertainty for us is the belief that God is leading us to set a goal of 320000 Dollars in additional giving over three years because we believe that $320,000 or maybe an amount similar to that would allow us to secure a space dedicated as a launching pad for ministry. And we believe, as it was for Abraham, taking a leap of faith like this will, it will require courage and sacrifice. But listen, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it because it is part of the story God is orchestrating to see more and more people come to faith in Jesus. Now, I should say that if you're here today or watching this online, I know that we have a segment of people who still call Clarity Home and are watching online. And, and so if, if you're someone who are watching online, but if, maybe if you're someone who isn't a part of Clarity Church, maybe you're someone doesn't know whether you believe everything you've heard about Jesus and the Bible, much less consider yourself a part of Clarity Church. I realize that this message might not be like a typical message that you'd <laughs> expect to hear. But despite that reality, I think that listening to today's message and the coming messages in this series, I think that listening to it can give you a unique perspective, a unique opportunity to see what kind of church clarity is and is becoming and give you a glimpse into the hopes and the futures of what I believe is God's plan for us. So in the coming weeks, I'm going to get into the particulars about how we as a church body could possibly even raise $320,000. But before we do that, uh, for some of you who made the pie meetings, you might have already got more of that information. But today I want to take one last time, one last time before we even talk about like the particulars, one last time just to, just to look at the scriptures. I just want to take a look at maybe this model. We looked at Abraham, and we, 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 we looked at this model, but, but that was Abraham, right? And, and he did some stupid stuff, and he wasn't a perfect guy. And So I thought it'd be great to just look at Jesus and see the kind of life that Jesus lived and tie in how his life can inform this season that we are in as a church. And I want to spend more, one more week talking about future impact and reach. And by the way, if you didn't get access to our Amplify booklets during our gathering or at one of our pie meetings, uh, you can get the most updated version. By the way, uh, last week had a little bit of typo in it. Some of you might have seen that because all over it said three years, three years, three years. But then on the worksheet, it said 24 months. And so those of you who are good at math are like, 24 months doesn't equal three years, Phil. Hmm. And you're right. I stink at math. I am so sorry. So we fixed that. You can, you can gather that. You can get that um, either on our website. Just look at the graphic that says Amplify. Or if you go on our, our, our app, you'll, again, wherever you see the, the Amplify graphic, just click that and you should be able to get that. It's a 15-page booklet we put together 
to help you stay informed about this project. And listen, we want everyone to have one and read through it so you can be informed, okay? This morning, as we continue in this series, I thought it'd be helpful to see what one church planter said to the church that he started. To, to read what a church planter who absolutely had a heart for this church in a city called Philippi and see what he wrote. And I know this isn't conventional, but I'd like to start with the last verse of our passage as we read through Philippians. Uh, it's really 2 verses 1 through 11, but I want to take a look at 10 and 11. I want to start with that and then kind of work our way back to the start. And hopefully it'll make sense and, and you'll, you'll get the point. But this is what it says in Philippians 2, chapter 10. Uh, ch- chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says this, So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you know that the mission of God is not about you? Did you know that? Did you know that the mission of God in this world might, actually it does, it does include you, but it's not about you. The mission of God is so that every tongue and every knee would come to submission of Jesus Christ, that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess Jesus Christ as Lord. As one Bible scholar writes about this passage, he, he writes this, he said, Christ's exaltation by God is the consequence of his obeying God. Okay, listen. Exaltation is the consequence of obeying God and his setting aside his own interests. The main point is Paul's call for the Philippians to obey as Christ obeyed. And so the question is this, if we are, those of us who love and follow Jesus, are to obey as Christ obeyed, what are some of the things that we've been commanded to do? That's just a good question. Like if you're a follower of Jesus, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, and maybe even as a church, like as a church, like what have we as a church been commanded to do? Because I think we can think of all the different things that we think we should do, but sometimes we don't ask, what have we been commanded to do? Last time I checked, as much as I love this speakers and stuff, no one has, no church has been commanded to use amplified speakers, right? Like, I'm not saying anything against it. I'm just saying, right, that's not, that's not clear in scripture, right? That we, so what are, we, we haven't been, we haven't been, uh, uh, comm- I haven't been commanded to sit in a, in a table, so I seem less aggressive as a speaker instead of a traditional pulpit, right? right, right or like, I, no one has been, I, I, I haven't been commanded to wear plaid so I can fit in with most of my millennials and try to wear skinny jeans, you know, even, you know, no, these are not, these are straight leg, by the way. I've kind of given up, <laughs> mostly because I can't fit into them anymore. But anyways, that's a totally different story. What have we been commanded to do? That's a good question. I know I talk about this verse a lot, but it's called the Great Commission for a reason. 
And at the end of Matthew, we find Jesus admitting that he has been exalted because of his sacrifice on the cross. When he says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came near to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. What is he saying? He's referring to what Paul says, he, Christ, has been exalted. And then what he says here in verse 19 is so important. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, our efforts as we are going through this series, it's quite evident that we're trying to raise funds. But you could mistake the efforts to raise funds as being an effort towards place. Now, this effort includes a place, but it's not about a place. I need to say that. It's not about a place. Our goal for Amplify is not getting a place, but about reaching people with the gospel. We believe that the efforts of our obedience to God together will help more and more people find and follow Jesus. And that itself is a truth. That as we together obey God, whether it looks like this capital campaign or it means us reaching out to the least of these or together feeding the poor or together praying for the sick or together living life as family, whatever, together. But it's, it's when we together live in obedience to Christ that more and more people will find and follow Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. Or as Paul wrote, until every knee bows and tongue confesses Jesus Christ is Lord. But how do we get there is the question. Well, let's look at what Paul told the church. He started in a city called Philippi. We're going to go back to the beginning of Philippians chapter 2, and this is what it says. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So real quick, your attention. Unity was not only the foundation for a thriving church, but it was also the natural outflow of someone encouraged. That's what he says here. If there's any encouragement in Christ, are you encouraged by Christ in your everyday life? I don't know, Phil. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel unified with your church family? I don't know. Well, maybe your life needs to be more encouraged by Christ. Well, how do we do that, Phil? Ah, let's, let's look what Paul says as we keep on going on. He says this in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look. Everyone, everyone, everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Just let that sink in. Everyone should not look to his own interests, but to the interests of others. 
Holy Spirit, teach us what it looks like to deny ourselves for the sake of your gospel and for others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ. What is that attitude? Listen on. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. I love that phraseology. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. The gospel of Jesus Christ is made most effective through the lives of a people who together in unity choose to do nothing out of selfish ambition and not looking to their own interests. This is because this was the attitude of Christ. And here's the idea. (laughs) The good news of God's love through Jesus, one, is absolutely free. Absolutely free. You didn't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to deserve it. Therefore, we can be in right relationship with God, not because of our behavior, but because of what? God's generous grace. So the good news of salvation is free. But the good news also demands surrender. This whole initiative is about us saying, God, all that I am, all that I have is yours. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to choose to follow you. And only in that kind of surrender and letting go do we experience the kind of freedom and faith that Jesus promises. And I think what has happened in the Christian church is we read verses like these and uh, pastors like me get up and we really want to see you succeed at life succeed at following Jesus, but we forget to say this sometimes. I forget to say this, that surrender is not only a context of found in isolation, but surrender is something that needs to be experienced in the context of this corporate fellowship. Because remember, this was written to a people, not necessarily solely to a what? Person. So what does it look like for us to surrender together? What you need to know is that the goal of Amplify isn't to raise $320,000. That's not the goal. That is not the goal. I need to say that over and over. That is not the goal. That is not the goal. The goal is actually 100% participation. It's not 320, it's 100% participation. We want, I want, I'm not going to speak for you. I want us to take this journey together. Because a journey like this is not about equal giving, right? I'm not asking like, you give 500, you give 500, you give five. Because listen, you know, what you make is different than what you make. And what you have is extra is different than what you have extra. And let's just be honest. Some of you are more responsible with your finances than others. And some of you are in a hole. 
And what you need right now is, to, is, to, is actually to find spirit, the spiritual maturity that says, like, Lord, I have not been treating my stuff as though it was your own, and I have squandered it, and I have lived for my own desires, and so I need to get on track. And you can't, you probably can't even give anything. But that's okay, because we want to see you move, and all of us together move towards generosity together, move towards this idea of sacrifice together. I know that's an ugly word in our current climate, sacrifice. Like, oh, sacrifice. Our culture wants to indoctrinate us to worship the ideals of freedom. It wants, to, wants us to believe that the human ideal of this life is freedom, safety, self-health, self-care. And I'm not against the positives of all that, but if you do not read Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 7, and understand that none of this was promised for us or modeled for us, then I don't know what, I don't know what version of the Bible you've been reading. Look at this again, verses 2, verse 3 to 7. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should not look to his own interests, but rather in the interest of others, adopt the same attitude that of Christ Jesus, who in the existing form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, he had some rights, <laughs> and it was due to him. He was God in flesh, dwelt among us, but he said no. That wasn't, that's not the goal. Instead, he emptied himself. He sacrificed himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. So the good news is free, but it demands surrender. This whole initiative is about us saying, God, all that I am, I want to be for you. And only in that kind of surrender and letting go do we experience the kind of freedom. Listen. Listen. The freedom your heart wants is not found in public policies. The freedom your heart wants is not found in anything that this world's leaders and political structures can give you. Because I, I'm telling you, if you forget, <laughs> we have brothers and sisters across the world living in conditions that we as Americans would be aghast regarding. And they will look you in the eye and say, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. What we sang why? Because I'm a child of God. You know, the problem is so many of us never get to this place of our faith journey, in our faith journey, because we're afraid that if we let go to some of the values that maybe were passed on to you by your parents, you know, or... or they're, they're values that maybe you, you on your own, you learn, they became valuable to your life. And maybe pursuit of self-health and self-care actually brought goodness into your life and it brought health into your relationships. And, and so you be, this pattern of doing the things that are like, yeah, I got to get to a good place. And I, that's fine. But listen, we can't hold on to selfishness and doing things for the sake of what makes me feel good or what I feel like I need if we want to pursue this life of freedom in Christ because we're going to miss out on something if we don't take the words of Jesus, the scripture, at face value. When we hold on, sometimes we actually miss out. You know, when I was a kid, I read a 
book. Uh, it's become my favorite book of all time. I don't know if you ever heard Where the Redfern Grows. Anyone? Where the Redfern Grows. About, you know, a little boy with two dogs, coon hounds. It's, I, I remember it because it was the first book I ever read that made me cry at the end. Spoiler alert. Just like all movies with dogs, what happens at the end? The dogs, yeah, they, yeah, they die. And so I cried because I, 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 you learn to love those dogs at the end. But in that book, there's a, a boy by the name of Billy, Billy. And he, was, he, he went to his grandpa because he had just gotten these dogs and now he wants to train them to hunt after coons, right? Because he, he wanted to be a coon hunter, raccoons, that's what we call them. And his grandpa told him how to make a trap and how to catch a, uh, 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 a raccoon. And, and this is what he says. And I'm just going to read it. I, just, I think it's one, I like the book. And here it goes. It says this. Here's a the, here's the grandpa. He says this. You know, Billy, one of the most peculiar things about that coon, he said, was his front feet. Once he wrapped those little paws around something he wanted, he would never let go. My mother had an old churn. It was one of those kind with a small hole in the lid for the, for the dasher. When she would get through churning, she would take the dasher out to wash it. That crazy coon would climb up on top of the, of the churn and poke his little, little front paw through the hole <laughs> and get a fistful of butter. That hole was small, and when he closed his paw, he couldn't get it back out. All he had to do was open it, drop the butter, and he'd be free. But do you think he would? No, sir. He would carry that churn lid all over the house, squalling and growling. <laughs> Why it took everyone in the house to free him. I'd, I'd have to wrap him up in a gunny sack or an old coat and pry his claws loose from the butter. Seeing this time after time is what gave me the idea for this trap. Once he reaches in and gets a hold of that tin, he's caught. Because he will never, never open his paw. You know, I, I think that can be the case for us humans. I think a case can be made that we're not all that different from raccoons in this way. When we see something we want, we, we, we do what? We grab it. We grab it. And once we feel like we have what we want, sometimes we do what? We don't let go. We don't let go, even if it means <laughs> our demise. Many people are holding on to an image of what true success looks like, true freedom looks like, but it actually has people trapped. Some of you know what that's like, don't you? Some of you know what it means to reach out and grasp the goal of possessions, money, prestige. Some of you know what it likes, looks like to hold on so tightly to it that the stuff we actually own, the positions we actually hold, the career that we have actually owns us. It becomes our identity because we've worked so hard to get it. Some of you know what it's like to hold on to your anger or your bitterness. Excuse me, your right to stand up for the freedom to live life your way to not be bullied, to feel as if though you're justified in your feelings regarding people who've offended you. Some of you know what it's like to come to a place of realizing that it's only until you let go, though, of your 
pursuit of maybe personal rights and interests and embrace a pursuit of obedience through personal sacrifice that you would be free. I just want to be clear real quick. I'm not talking about politics right now. <laughs> if your mind's going there, that's on you. I'm talking about the things and pursuits of this life that we try to grasp on and our freedom to do what we want, what, what we want to do, what we feel. We have to realize that the model for us is letting go, not grasping. It's through personal sacrifice that we are free. Jesus said it best when he taught this. In Mark chapter 8, he calls the crowd along with all his disciples and he said to them, <clears throat> and I think he said it like this, because I think Jesus is such a grace-filled person. He doesn't say it like how I hear some preachers yell it at their people. I think he said it like this. Hey, if, uh, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. I don't know if Mark left out words, but I would imagine that Jesus, all sovereign and all knowing, said this in his heart. As I ask you to take up your cross, I am not asking you to do something that I myself am not fully aware is the hardest thing in your living life to do because I am about to do it. But it doesn't change the fact that if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross. I know I'm asking you to do something hard because my Father in heaven has asked me to do it, but listen, I love you. This is how grace comes down. Take up your cross. Follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever, Jesus, so, I mean, Jesus says this before he's crucified. I get goosebumps when I think about this. But whoever wants to lose his life because of me and the gospel will what? Save it. What does it benefit someone to gain the whole world? Ha! Ha! But lose his life. Will the season of sacrifice be easy for us? Will the season of pursuing the vision of growing and what it means for us to be disciples that makes disciples be comfortable? No. It will take a lot of hard work. It will take generous hearts and sacrifice. Abraham, as we learned last week, was blessed so that he could be a blessing. This is the same call God places on all of those who want to be people of faith. Do you want to be a person of faith? Do you? The goal for followers of Jesus has never been to seek blessing just for themselves or for their own sakes. Here's, here's, a, here's a dirty little secret. In fact, if you seek to be blessed by God, but never live sent by God, you will ultimately feel disconnected from God. Let me say that again. If you seek to be blessed by God, but never live sent by God, you will ultimately feel disconnected from God. But if you seek to be a blessing 
you'll end up full. And listen, I think that many people who profess to be Christians really have missed this, okay? Of course, there's no one in this church. Perfect, you guys are. Remember I said I love you, right? But I think as I look around, I think there are a lot of Christians who miss this, and even in my own life, I've missed this. I'm guilty of this. Many Christians have traded in blessings that could be found in the risk of living boldly for Jesus for things like safety and comfort. We've traded the risk of what it means to be bold for Jesus and his gospel for safety and comfort. A full life in Christ was never about pursuing safety and comfort in this world. A full life in Christ was always about pursuing always about pursuing safety and comfort in Jesus. In the middle of a dangerous and uncomfortable world. You see, when you seek after comfort and safety and you find yourself in a place where you feel like you got it, you're only kidding yourself because the world has nothing to offer but discomfort. The world has nothing to offer but uncomfortability, (laughs) okay? And so where do we get it from? We get it from Jesus. Jesus said it best when he taught. In John 16, 33, it says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Have any of you been through a trial before? Have any of you felt sorrow? It's not because God was mad with you or angry at you or didn't care about you or had a beef with you. It's because in this world, there is trials and sorrow. This world is broken by sin. It doesn't function how it should because it didn't function how it should. And it's broken. And if you put your hope in the safety and comfort that this world has to offer, I promise you, you will be disappointed. I've lived long enough to know that safety and comfort of that kind only lasts for a season. But I'll tell you this, the safety and comfort and the joy and the peace that comes from Jesus lasts for a lifetime. The goal is not comfort. The goal is not safety. The goal is not that you get to the end of your life and look back and say, you know, for, the most, for most of my life, I, I felt safe and I felt comfortable. The ones I love felt safe and felt comfortable. That's not the goal. Otherwise, if it is, you're just a very selfish person because there are millions of people in this world who don't get that pleasure of saying, I feel safe and I feel comfortable and I can keep my family safe and I can keep them comfortable. Just wake up and look up what's going on in our world. How incredibly entitled are we to think that 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 is the ultimate pursuit of human life and ours? There's got to be something more, right? 
Because if you pursue that, I'm going to tell you, it'll leave you feel depressed. You pursue that, you'll just end up feeling depressed. Why? Because you'll get to the end of your life and you'll feel what many people who struggle with depression feel, which is insignificance and uselessness. Insignificant and uselessness. The goal for Clarity Church has never been comfort. Not even close. <laughs> In fact, some of you will be like, please, Phil, just make it a little bit more comfortable. Come on. I mean, these chairs hurt my butt. Can we just finally get a place so we can get some, you know, like, seriously. The goal for Clarity Church has always been about 100% participation. We haven't always been like that. We can get there. I believe in you. I believe in us. I mostly believe in God's Spirit who unifies us. And if we're willing to listen, God can do a work in this church. Do you want God to do a work in this church? Seriously. Or are you just content with like getting together? I want to see God move through your life, my life, our life. I'm not content knowing that people are dying and going to hell. Oh, it's really harsh. And I was like, well, then how else would you describe it? <laughs> dying and going to hell without knowing the wonderful love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Because a church will not stand unified together to live as Jesus lived, to sacrifice. And 100% participation is the kind of risk, by the way. That's a risk worth chasing. Wow, Phil, really? You want 100% participation? Yeah. Well, that's asking a lot. I know. I know. Because it's going to ask, it's going to ask, it's going to require big faith. And it's going to take risk and sacrifice to be used by God to see the lives of people within our circles of influence and beyond be transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus because that is the goal, that people's lives are transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus. And where do we get this from? It's the pattern of Jesus himself. Back in Philippians. Verse 6, 5. Six, adopt the same attitude of Jesus Christ who in existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited and said he emptied himself. By assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death to the cross. For this reason... God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has all the comforts and blessings of the universe in heaven and yet he comes down to be a blessing in the form of sacrifice and the cross. And that's how we should pattern our lives. I think we should try. We should try. Allow me to be clear, the primary goal of this capital campaign is not about getting a building. It's not about raising $320,000. Ultimately, it's the goal about 100% participation into the invitation of sacrifice, of being obedient about what it takes to help people find and follow Jesus. It's not about becoming a big church. In fact, it might be God's will that we always stay a small church. And some of you are like, yes, thank you, God. That's why I love this church. <laughs> I don't know. But here's what I do know. We will never not try to reach people for Christ. We will never be okay with choosing our own comforts 
over the eternal destinies of our neighbors. We will always pursue what it takes to be a disciple that makes disciples.